1: Welcome to Turnbuckles, I'm John Reinman, and I called Lou Pinella an asshole when I was 13.
2: I'm Julie Harrison-Harney, and I told some Washington Generals players, tonight just wasn't your night after their game against the Harlem Globetrotters when I was 7.
0: And I'm Tommy Rico, and after 30 years of hating this person from the comfort of my own home, I finally got to yell at the last outlaw,
1: Mr. Jeff Jarrett, in person. We had a few interactions with the folks down in Jacksonville last week, so let's start off with AEW and sometimes why.
0: AEW and
1: sometimes why. Well, Tommy, you are now the second member of the three of us, me being the one that's uh, been the lame-o so far, but you got to go to AEW Dynamite and Rampage at the Forum in Los Angeles. First of all, talk to me about going to the Forum. That, to me, is like as big a deal as just going to anything. What was that? Was that the first time there? It was my second time there. So my wife and I
0: went to go see Mark Anthony in concert there, and that was terrific. I mean, it's a historic old building. It's definitely old. Uh, It's definitely not the right venue for NBA basketball at the moment, but it's still a great smaller venue. Um, It looked to be about 10,000 sold for uh, AEW. And so there was really, I mean, all the good seats were taken. There was just a smattering of like nosebleeds and like, obstructed views that weren't uh filled with seats but it was it's a magical arena i mean it does have it does have a feel uh and it does have a charm to it so i'm glad it's still around and being able to house wrestling and uh, a very very good wrestling card um really it was all it was all like the other side of the roller coaster it was downhill from the moment we got there all the way it was crazy it was yeah. like we got there and the AEW dark taping felt like dynamite or rampage. And it just got better from there. Wow. Uh, the, 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 the arena filled up pretty quickly. Um, it did smell like High Times Magazine awards show in there. But <laughs> <laughs> I brought my nine year old son, Lorenzo, with me and it was it was a fun time. You um, learned some stuff. He yeah, he uh, we didn't leave our seats. We okay. were there for hours, and we never left our seats. We didn't go to the bathroom. We didn't go to concessions. We were glued because the shows, plural, were all that good. And they stacked the card. It's, the, it's Los Angeles. It's the forum. So they put their best foot forward. Um, I will say that the show was so good that the tiny bummer of the wrestler we were dressed as only doing a run-in barely registered. Orange Cassidy and the best friends did a quick run in to save Danhausen from the clutches of Satnam Singh, and it didn't bum us out at all because the show was that good. Um, We walked in as Daniel Garcia was finishing his up his matchup for uh, Dark, uh, and it was just everybody was into this thing and there were chants and there was craziness. Uh, Let me get the negative out of the way right away so that we can focus on how great the show was. Uh, AEW, technically, they need to work on one thing uh, for the live shows. There needs to be some form of screens that are away from the cameras so that people seated in areas like we were, because we were seated next to the ramp. So we were directly across from where the wrestlers walk out. So I got some really good shots of entrances and, you know, we got to see all these wrestlers live. It was amazing, except for when matches escaped the ring, which in AEW, they tend to, uh, (laughs) we couldn't see anything. So it's never good when you have a large portion of the crowd chanting, can't see shit, can't see shit. (sighs) And trying to get so occasionally when the cameras were facing away from the Tron, the big screen in the background, they would would give us a shot of what was going on in the ring, but they couldn't do it consistently because there were other camera shots that would catch the Tron, so they couldn't air it there. So because you can't do that the whole show, there's got to be something above the the lighting, just up in the ceilings. They have to work on that because that really hurts the live experience because everybody was so into it, and there were large portions of the show that maybe we couldn't see as well or at all. The flip side of that is that the show was so good. Most of the time everyone was standing up. So it wasn't a a question of sitting down or standing up. I mean, everybody was pretty
1: much on their feet the whole show. Um, You know, that reminds me of like when the sound is not working, like for a comedy show. Cause I know that like Bill Burr, when he played Madison square garden, uh, the sound was not working. And so one of the balconies, I think to his right, they couldn't hear the first 10 minutes. And kind of ruin that whole thing. But I mean, like we've all been there where it's like something's technically off. So yeah, but that does sound like a solvable problem that by now they should have. Do you think it was because the building was so different? Do you think maybe it was, you know, jumbotron issues with the forum where maybe it wasn't quite up to par for this kind of wrestling show? I just think physically they don't have the screens because yeah. I
0: haven't seen them at any other show. Like when people have taken pictures from the inside of the, the other AEW shows I've seen, there are no screens above the lighting where the television production takes place. So that's, that's something they have to work on. Also, just a small quibble, because it really didn't matter in the large, like the spectrum of emotions that we went through. There was a mild disappointment in the building because um, Mercedes Monet did not show up. Uh, but who I think said was, she was going to? Exactly. I think it was greatly overstated online by certain people because there was like this natural kind of letdown when she didn't show up. And then it was just like, okay, next. It was just, the show was so good. Everyone got over it within about 30 seconds because, and that's the other thing, AEW's production is relentless. There's no breaks. They just went in from dark. They went into dynamite. After dynamite, they taped another dark match. And then they went straight into the rampage. There was no idle time. There was no intermissions. There was no production breaks. It was just all just like going down the luge. I mean, there was no stop. And that's why the show was so good. And that's why they got a hot crowd throughout. Yeah, some people left after Dynamite, but not a ton, just enough to make a little bit of a difference. But, you know, D- uh, Rampage showcased the acclaimed, who they were the meet and greet beforehand, and their meet and greet sold out almost immediately. So they had to add a second meet and greet afterwards. They're and, very acclaimed. Yeah. And the yeah. acclaimed
1: didn't wrestle. They didn't wrestle. They the did Acclaimed's a comedy The had bed. a
2: little flub from that, what so that was another caught tech online. Goof.
1: Can I just say that by the way I know that it's a rap I know that it's like you're trying to get everything in but man he just kept going he kind of blew his own flub a little bit like I would have been like I thought there was a way to save that but he just tipped it too much see you, you know there's something that that it, it's from the comedy world and I think it could apply to any kind of public speaking especially cutting a promo which is the crowd doesn't know you messed up until you go oops I messed up then they correct. know like uh Name drop here. I think this is a name that's going to age quite well. I worked with Michael Longfellow last week from Saturday Night Live. I think he's the next Weekend update guy, personally. And I said that to him because he had one joke that he kind of messed up. Now, Michael's a young guy. He's in his early 20s. But I just said, dude, you know, I was like, from a guy who's messed up a zillion times, just don't say you messed up. Make up something new. And they'll, they'll just move on. And he did. He was funnier playing it off. But I think that applies here, too. Right? I watched it. I watched the clip that went viral, and I was like, you know, it wasn't the worst. I was like, it wasn't horrible until he was like, had the deer in headlights look, and then Billy Gunn saved him. But I was Absolutely. like, you you, I was like, you could have gotten through that and then just made up some like, oh, we got to go reshoot this for whatever. So, you know, I'm just saying he's that good that I was like, this wasn't terrible. It wasn't well, a terrible flub. I will, I will counter that
0: with, with two things. So both of you worked w- for The Tonight Show. And I Mm -hmm. don't know if you both had this experience, but John, at least I know you have where Mm -hmm. you've watched one of the top comedians in the world go up completely blow up a line, just flub it completely stop and have to retape because you can retape. And so I think because it was rampage, if it was dynamite, they would have just blown through it. But But he was good.
1: I thought he was good. Even with the flub. Like I was like, the crowd was still hot for him, but but, it got in his head. And remember Caster's Caster's also a young
0: guy. Yeah. So he, it just was one of those things where was, ah, oh, God, I, damn it. I just, ah, uh, okay. And so he, it, you could tell like you could feel it. I have felt that energy both oh, in God, myself yeah. and from other performers.
1: Yeah. Oh, so dude, he I was, did it. he did was it so upset week. with
0: himself. And then Billy Gunn, again, Billy Gunn, not only really looking out for these guys, mm-hmm. you, you, re, you can tell he really, really loves the acclaimed, but also just picking that perfect moment to double back. So they did a a segment with Renee Paquette. And so Max completely flubs his rap stops and they have to restart. And as they're walking back to the back to restart, and also this was the hot crowd that was going to accept it and start all over again. Like they they weren't going to, they weren't going to be like, no, we just saw this. (laughs) And so Billy Gunn, as they were doubling back, turns back to Renee and says into the microphone. And that's why I only said two words. (laughs) and place erupted, but it was just pitch perfect. Billy Gunn is so good. And he, again, as a veteran performer, as a guy who's done this a lot and a guy who's not known for his, his chops, as far as being a a promo guy, seems to know how to do a promo really well. Um, But that was a fun segment. I mean, guys, it was awesome.
1: Well, let me ask before, before we go on, Julie, I mean, coming from a social media background would you have taken control of that if you were AEW and kind of put out the outtake? It's just kind of a, yeah, this happens sort of thing. Or do you think it was, because like Tony seems so transparent with some of that that maybe if, maybe I guess they didn't want to seem like they were burying Caster, but say that was someone that was more, say that was like a Billy Gunn, say that was a Mark Henry or something. Do you think they may have put that out as like an outtake? Like, yeah, this happens sometimes I or thought, just left it in yeah. the broadcast?
2: I remember when I saw it, because it wasn't the show, obviously, where, where I found it was on social media. I think two things about that. The first is that it, it taped on Wednesday, but it, the show's on Friday. So the problem with releasing it from an AUW perspective is technically you're still probably hyping up your Dynamite show as opposed to moving on to promotion for Rampage. This is a logistical thing. The other thing is, I don't think it's a bad thing. I thought it was, especially if Billy Gunn had such a good button at the end. Yeah, like, if you know yeah. you have such a good button that that gets you out. I thought it made them so authentic and real. But then that's a question for wrestling that I think CM Punk really helped usher in is blurring the lines between reality, who these wrestlers are in real life versus who theirs their personas are. Is that I, I'm curious to know, do you guys think that's OK? Do you as fans like the fact that, you know, Max Caster kind of dropped his persona? This wasn't a work. That was a total shoot that he messed up. I'm, well, I'm curious to know your your takes. Julie, I think you made you helped bolster
0: your own point there is that they let the fans take the narrative because they knew the fans were going to have social media clips of it and put it out there. So mm. just let them have fun with it. Why not? They don't have to put a produced version out of it. They just just let the fans do it. And they did. And that's where you told like I had no idea that it was being circulated, and you let me know. And I wouldn't have known otherwise. I wouldn't have gone searching for that clip. Meanwhile, I had my own clip that we did not put up. Yeah. <laughs> Could um, have had millions I did, of. I news. didn't catch Billy Gunn's line though.
1: So that was no. the key. That unfortunately no. I stopped taping before he he doubled back. But Tom, you got to see everybody at the show. And two questions for you. Like, where did it rank in terms of like did you ever go to an attitude era WWF taping back in the I day? I did. Yeah, I went to Attitude How did this Era. Feel? How did this feel compared to that? Honestly,
0: it, w- it was hotter. It was a hotter wow. environment. Because remember, the Attitude Era had a lot of filler. There were, there were definitely mm. filler segments. I mean, the Attitude Era did have, a, they, they did put focus on a lot of like second and third tier talent, which was great. Yeah. But it wasn't always Entertaining. It was like, it was great that they got everyone involved, not so great in the execution. Um,
1: but yeah, I went Russo, to Attitude Era. Bruce, I did I mean, have something for everybody, just to in his defense. Like, that yeah. was the difference between now versus then, which is oh, there was course. something for everybody. Now it's just kind of like, no, they, they did a much better job with the mid card and the lower card
0: back then, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I mean, you know how I feel as far as like what my favorite era of WWE is? That would be Ruthless the post Attitude Era. That would yep. be Ruthless Aggression and yep. uh, the Smackdown 6 era. Uh, and I went to those shows. Actually, I would say the Smackdown show that I went to where Hulk Hogan and Edge won the ch- Tag Team Championship. I that oh, that was, was, was at that one. Yeah, that was the hottest WWE show I had gone to because I'd gone to a couple of like I did get to see The Rock versus Rikishi in a steel cage um, during Attitude. And that was good. But it was like, you know, that was really the hottest WWE show I went to. I went to a SummerSlam years later that was not great. Um, It famously had the Booker T. Batista botch match where Batista had come back from injury and then botched the finish. Um, So I. I They need to book Tractor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They could have used Tractor in that one. Um, Oh, God. He's probably coming back. As far as like the heat went, there was just no lag. It was crazy. And I will say, As far as, like, talent that is over, Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker, they're as over as anyone in WWE. Uh, Brian Danielson. uh, Of course. Kanosuke Takeshita was crazy over. Um, House of Black. Mm -hmm. House of Black is fully rehabbed, fully spooky, and fully over. And I will say that I think to save Malachi Black in the short term, because he came back looking like he is in great shape, He is in now a tag team with uh, Brody King, the the, uh, Kings of the Black Throne, and that team is really great. My idea for them, have them go for the tag championship and then have them go for the trios against the elite. Have them try to get all the tag belts, because right now, to get Malachi Black healthy, take them out of singles. Just keep them in tag. and They are so crazy over, and their new presentation, new song, everything works. Did um, I see
2: CM Punk give a shout out to Brody King? Didn't he?
0: They were eating post- they ice cream together, together in yeah,
2: LA. He, he posted this really cool, you know, come full circle story where I guess Brody King was a parking attendant in the stadium that he yep. was performing. Was that, that wasn't your night though, Tommy, that was a different night. Uh, it was, they were near the forum.
0: Oh. oh, wait,
2: the Kia forum, right? Yeah. It was. Okay, yes. Yeah, so this was, he was. That, yeah, they took that, a picture
0: with the forum, I think, in the background, and they were both right. eating ice cream. Yep. and man, Brody King must have been one big parking attendant. That guy is a monster. <laughs> he, that he is a Sasquatch, and they they make a great tag team. And just uh, to so
1: people know, he was a parking attendant at the forum back yeah. in the day. Correct. Right, his and so he he day, did this really job. cool
2: post about how he yeah. was now performing in the forum. I think 15 years later, however many years later, and I was like, that's really cool. That's a that's a really Great full circle, you know. You never know where you're going to end up.
1: And uh, well, as, as I'm sure dan Danhausen would call it, getting the iced cream is a nice paradox for the thawing that seems to be going on between CM Punk and a lot of those people in uh, AEW. Yeah, I guess
2: was he there? Yeah. Is that the speculation? Is that CM Punk was actually at the forum?
1: He could have taken that
2: picture, getting ice cream. Did you see him? Did you spot him? Tommy? I did not spot him. No, um, no. you I know, and we,
0: we were looking for mystery people all night, thanks to Mercedes. Um, But yeah, we did not see him. One thing I definitely want to point out to you guys and our listeners is that. So bringing my nine-year-old son there, Mm -hmm. one thing that really struck me, as far as being able to be okay with having my son there, is that I was struck not just by the size of certain performers, and by that I mean like Satnam Singh, who is looks like a statue. He's so big. Um, Brody King and uh, Bill Bill Morrissey. Uh, Billy Gunn, looking at these people that barely look real. Yeah. But then also to contrast that, looking at guys like Hook, Brian Danielson, Jungle Boy, Dan Housen, Orange Cassidy, and being able to look at my son. And we're such big fans of AEW and being able to look at these guys who are and don't don't hear what I'm not saying. All these guys are in phenomenal condition. That's not it. But looking at regular-sized performers going in there and tearing the house down, it made me so happy because I'm going to come clean on something I haven't said on the show before. I'm a former anabolic steroid user. Uh, During my bodybuilding days, I had very, very acute body dysmorphia, and I hated the way I looked, and I wanted to be bigger and stronger. It comes with PTSD and being bullied my whole childhood, and so I... Luckily, I was really smart about the way that I use them. I was as smart as someone who is doing something really dumb can be. Uh, I took really low dosages. Uh, I did not impair my organs at all. I've, had, I've, I've checked out with a clean bill of health pretty much my whole life. Uh, I took way, way less than the average steroid user. And one thing I don't think people that, if you don't know a lot about steroids, one of the problems is, Steroids become like a a self-feeding beast where it's like you're taking one, but you can't just take that one. You have to take this other one to mask the effects of it. And then you have to take this other one on top of it to not retain water. And then you have to take. I didn't do that. I took a very simple anabolic uh, and it it certainly worked. Uh, There was some nasty side effects, including uh, mood changes. Um, I didn't take them for very long and I kicked them out of my system. I haven't had a, a, a steroid in my system for over 25 years. Uh, I, anyone who's thinking about them, don't. Um, mm-hmm. With diet and exercise, you can absolutely 100% achieve uh, similar results, if not the exact same or better. Uh, the strongest and the, the most in shape I've ever been in was off steroids. So to see these guys who are in amazing condition, but realistic, and to have mm. my son there, and say, and not have a bunch of two hundred and sixty pound jacked up gorillas, just who can barely make it down to the the ring, and they're just in there and throwing haymakers and and you know doing these big beefy boy matches, like I like to to say every now and then. Yeah, you need those guys in certain situations, but WWF when I was growing up, it was just all that. Everybody yeah. was that big. I mean, even a guy like Bret Hart who was not big guy. a giant. Jo- he was, a, he's dude, a big, I still remember guy.
1: 235 pounds. He's and I think he's come clean tall, over 235 over steroid pounds. Use. Dude, so some of those mid 80s shots of Brett Hart. I mean, I he think he stopped, but man, like an 86 or so. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but to, you,
0: to see to the see a guy, for a while, one of the I biggest, mean, anvil, I, of,
1: I, the anvil is just a big dude. Yeah, but I think Brett was like trying to keep up for a while there. He's well, he huge. had
0: to because he felt the pressure. It was like he yeah. wasn't going to main event over Hogan and Savage and all these other guys. So I love to watch a show where 20 Do years we know from that? now, I just, my, my son, son and I are going to go, hey, everybody from that show is dead. Uh, they all yeah. died in hotel rooms at 38. Yeah, you don't want um, that. So one of the biggest pops of the night was watching Hook, who is maybe 200 pounds, maybe suplexing bill morrissey and it was just this picture perfect beautiful technical suplex because he's just he's got so much of his dad in him he's got all that training he's got and he was an amazing lacrosse player in college so here's this 200 ish pound guy i'll, I'll just suplexing add that. a giant and it was amazing the, pl- the roof blew off the place for that
1: I, i'll just add to that i won't go into details why but and julie i don't know if you if paul ever looped you in but when you know the backstory of Taz and you know, their family, there's a very special bond there between Taz and hook. And so that's why it's so cool on a personal level to some of the stuff that personally that family went through and to see hook excelling, you know, it just, you just have to feel good. Even if you're Paul getting the three page emails <laughs> about little things. Um, but I loved your line last week, Julie, that Paul's haunted house would be every room you go into. There's a laptop with an email from, Tass. That
2: was Tommy. That was not me. Oh, That's right. Credit, that credit was to Tommy. Tommy. <laughs> Tommy knows
1: just from talking to us. Yeah. Well, two things I want to say to that are, we'll, we'll get to Morrissey in a second. But just on my end as an adult, um, you know, it's a new year and it's you know we all we all make our resolutions about trying to get into better shape. And I will say that as someone who's just a comedic fan of Dan Housen, um. I'm trying to get in a better shape. I just like, before we were doing this, I was exercising and it's partly because there's this thing where it's like, you know, I'm not that much difference in age between me and some of these guys. And they're not like freakishly. They're just in shape. And it's just like, you know what? It's good for you to be in shape and you don't have to be this Herculean thing. So I think they're role models for adults too. So I want to give props to them for being themselves because, and, and on the other end in WWE, That's why I love Sammy and Kevin so much where it's just like, they're believable dudes that do the best they can to be athletic. And it's like, yeah, that's healthy. Especially, especially, I mean like KO big dude. And man, we know hopefully he lands in the right place for him when it's all said and done. I think he'd be fantastic in AEW if certain someone comes back and blows it with him again. Um, But Sammy Zane too, just kind of rewriting, you know, what the definition of wrestler is. And I love all the people in AEW have done that. But from the creative standpoint, what people are talking about Morrissey, did they kill that character though? Cause I understand it was a great moment, but am I going to be able to take him seriously? And Tommy explained to me how, so I think that big bill is a mid card guy.
0: And I think he's going to stay in the mid card. I think he's going to be a, a legit threat because he's so big. But mm-hmm. as far as his skill level, he's not a main event guy. You're not going to be able to main event uh, big Cass slash big Bill. Um, but what's he going to do now, he's, now that go- he's been tossed around? You know, well, he, he was threat? tossed around by a tough guy. And also remember that, first of all, let's be honest to get that spot. Correct. Big Bill has to help. Oh,
1: of course. Suplex. Yes. I'm just talking character wise. That's all I'm talking about. I total I, respect for him I, for doing the move and going through with it and selling everything. It's just as a character. I'm like, you know, I've seen you thrown around like he's, he's six eleven and three quarters. He's chiseled,
0: but he's a legit, he's not a good Mike guy. And he's, I don't see him as a main eventer. And I don't think, you know what? I gotta be honest. I don't think he, he sees himself as a main eventer. I sees, I think he sees himself as a guy who can get other guys over and make a good paycheck doing it. And
1: I think that's what he's going to do. Do you see, let me ask you, I'm going to really jump veer off course. I'll ask both of you now, because Julie, when I was there, and I don't know if this was happening when you were there, but uh, when I was there, there was a lot of talk about a return for Big Cass and Enzo. That was a, a hot rumor, and there was more to it than I think people let on to the point where I think I, I don't want to talk out of turn, but I, I do remember Paul saying they won't be our problem. And he said it in a way that wasn't as dismissive as usual. He said it in a way as like, just in case, I just went in and said, hey, we got plenty of tag teams. We got the OC, which is ironic when you look at that whole story. And did you ever hear talk about Cass and Enzo coming back to WWE when you were there? I didn't, no. Let me ask you this since Vince is kind of going scorched earth here, do you think he'd make a play at this point? Cause those guys were over when they were. And I wonder if that's why big bill was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm just speculating. I don't know, but like you, you would have to figure a lot of guys are, a lot of people might be jumping ship, especially how they've seen how well new Japan has treated certain people. Wouldn't you figure a lot of people are going to probably walk out if Vince comes back? He's going to need someone to. Can,
2: I, I don't know if their contracts allow for that. That was something I was trying to figure out. I don't know if they can. There's, non,
1: there's non-competes. But as we've learned, if you've put your if you put money away. You know, six months goes by pretty quick nowadays. If you've said, I mean, like, it seems like every month someone's coming back. we were like, oh, God, it's been six months already or whatever it was going to be. Or it's been three months, depending on your contract. So I just feel like a lot of people are going to be jumping or let go. If it's Saudi Arabia buying it, I feel like they're not going to look at Cass and Enzo and say, "Uh Oh, red flag. I think they're going to say, sign me up. <laughs> I think the, the crown prince is going to go, wow, Haku and Andre, the giant sign them right now. And then whoever it is. Uh, well, yeah. Enzo, uh-huh. Enzo Amore,
0: Enzo Amore is a mess. Um, there's a reason he's untethered and not with a wrestling company. And it's because he can't work and he's a head case. So I don't think he goes back anywhere. Hey, he was the
1: original Dexter Loomis in survivor <laughs> series in 2018. Yeah. If Dexter I was going ran a, rope I was going first a rough first with his time. forehead into, the <laughs> I was going through a rough time. This is the very special episode of turnbuckles today. I was going through a rough time and I was at the tail end of a mini stroke that I didn't get treated for 11 months. And before I went to get hospitalized, one of the last things I saw was Enzo. And I will admit not knowing if I really saw it or not was one of the things that made me go get help. When I was like, "Did was that really Enzo, or did I just hallucinate that?" But no, that was really him. And uh, yeah, you're right. But they were talked about. That was a. Yeah. Thing. I mean, he, but, he got caught up in speaking out. I mean, I think with with um,
0: Big Morrissey is that he Morrissey has his demons for sure. But he but seems like he a got, decent guy deep down. Yeah, well, and he didn't get caught up in that stuff. Like, right. yeah, he was he was deemed difficult to work with, and he was you know had some, yeah. he was young, yeah, he was a kid, yeah. So I think I think that he and he really came up from underneath again by going through the indies and doing his due diligence and getting in shape. Um, Good and for him. Enzo has just continued to embarrass himself by continuing to blab, and you know nobody nobody's signing him, nobody's rushing to sign him, and he's not like he's working a bunch of indie dates either, so. There's, there's reasons for that.
1: I, I will say though, I mean, just on a human level, it is somewhat understandable that someone would act out that way when they're, when they're not allowed to go back and do what they want to do. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to um, distance him from any of the serious charges against him, but to say, I'll say some of it or most of it's not true. Yeah, it is natural, but that's where someone who's close to that guy needs to reach out and say, Hey man, and you know, and just it's again, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox here, but it's that's a thing in our country where we all talk about mental health. But I wonder how many people are really reaching out to friends who might need the help. And I look at Enzo as somebody and then there's a comparison from the 80s, 90s and WWF then now WWE, another tag team wrestler that uh, maybe they could help each other. I don't want to name that person. I think we all know who uh, someone that might have known Chad Frost pretty well from Young Rock. If anyone's been. Reading up on that. Uh, Do you guys know about that? No. Go go watch the latest Young Rock. There's a character named Chad Frost. And it is the first subtweet I've ever seen via casting. (laughs) I'll just say that. You're going to watch. It'll take you about five seconds to go, wait, did he just sort of generalize blank, blank, blankety-like? Because he doesn't want to get sued, I guess. Dwayne but he buries someone in the show, in the oh. episode. Chad Frost, not, no relation to Chili McFreeze.
0: I was going to say, Stone, was Cold. that a rejected name for Stone Cold Steve Austin?
1: <laughs> I absolutely think it was like a rib two ways <laughs> that Steve would laugh at, but the other person, not so much. But it was pretty uh, yikes. Um, All right, so like, in this, Rock, in this enjoy it enjoy it it sport can. of wrestling, what do we want to cover? Good show. What, well, what do we most want to cover? Well, let's go through. So, I want to talk about Jeff Jarrett because we've heard <laughs> again. Jeff Jarrett, my first two weeks at WWE. So that covers what half my time there. No, uh, not quite, but still um, a decent percentage in the overall scheme of things. Um, Jeff Jarrett and I shared a desk for about two weeks, and I found him to be a nice person. You don't care for him as much, but I want to no, know. I can, what I can confirm yelled.
0: also that you raved about him, and that yes. I was shocked uh but you can this was not a gimmick or or then this is not just to rib me uh he really liked working with jeff really really like a lot
1: we've we've talked since a couple times so like um i forget how i guess dming or something but uh no i like he's a big basketball fan and doesn't surprise me he's working out with uh tony and you did admit before we get to what you yelled that He's working out pretty well for AEW. I have to call you I out on that. I was shocked. Yes. I was shocked I told, to hear I said, Tommy I told give Jeff, you. Jeff Jarrett a compliment.
2: He's I was walking worker. my dog and I was like, Chips, what? hold on. I have to respond
1: He's a great to this worker. text
2: because I'm floored. Love him. Okay, so we'll, we'll start
0: with the exec position. So Jeff Jarrett is now helping Tony Khan with live events and planning. And mm-hmm. I have heard rumblings from underneath that that is working out really well. And great. just from oh, that they're, alone, I, and they're going to be terrific. doing live
1: events, too. That's so cool. Yeah. So you can and go see him. That's, that's what great. he
0: was doing for WWE before. Was he released or <laughs> did he leave?
1: <laughs> I will say that, like, you know, we all know different versions of everyone. We all get a different version. So there is some version of Jeff that comes and goes quite a bit. Right. And go, goes more than he comes when it comes to WWE. <laughs> but you know what? Well, Hey, here's the biggest thing. What's the biggest knock on Jeff Jarrett historically been? He That he held up Vince. Okay. And now that we look back at the big picture of history, is anyone feeling sorry for Vince? (laughs) And that's, I'm just saying, Julie's shaking her head no. I mean, we both worked with the guy and I'm like, yeah, fuck that. Good for Jeff. Like he did what everyone really wants to do when it comes to like, you know, you got another gig lined up. It's like, yeah, man, pay me all my vacation days. It's like, no, I I want them all now. Well, that's my thing.
0: Here's the point where I put on my, my best suit and tie and my nice shoes, and I, I uh, have my hat in hand and <laughs> say nice things about Jeff Jarrett, the performer. Um, when he came to AEW, my immediate fear, and was on television... See, I didn't, as, as far as being an executive, I don't have to see him. So I didn't have to worry about that. But when he started wrestling matches, I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. I, because I immediate was like, he's going to go over my favorites. It's going to drive me nuts. I'm going to not watch AEW anymore. And so Jeff Jarrett shows up in crazy shape for a 53 year old, um, yep. is still able to work matches really well. He's still and double so he, J. he has been smart as far as like, he has disguised himself by working in a tag with Jay lethal, which helps a ton because you have Jay doing the working And then Jeff doing the work working outside, you know, Jeff is doing the heat garnering and uh, and Lethal is in there doing the wrestling and Jeff can still go when he has to. And so I have hated Jeff for a lifetime. And I was there with my nine year old son. And one of the unusual things about an AEW match is that everyone is so over? You end up cheering for everyone in every match. <laughs> like, it's, there's very few times where you're legit booing someone. Because, and when you are, it's because they're, they're over the top heel. They're supposed to be hateable. So when Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, and Jay Lethal come to the ring to interrupt uh, the Golden Globe winner and uh, Danhausen cutting a promo. There was a moment, and again, this is the, the type of magical moment that can only happen when a wrestling fan that watches way too much wrestling and knows exactly where the breaks in someone music's, someone's music is and knows exactly that the f- people in front of him that would, uh, they would be uh, obscuring this type of yelling uh, have gone to the bathroom. So there was a moment in time where Jeff Jarrett is coming down the ramp And the people that would have been in the way of me yelling were taking a pee. And I just had that exact break in his music where he could have heard this. And I don't know if you guys know this. I have a big voice. Uh, I'm 17 feet away from the microphone right now. You guys can't see that. Uh, And so when I want to yell, people hear it. And I just had that moment where Jeff was crossing in front of the barrier and I didn't have anyone in the way. And there was that exact break in the music. And I screamed, you suck, Jeff. And here's the thing. Not my proudest moment as a father. Uh, yeah, not my your proudest kid, moment as a human your nine being. nine-year-old was there. But here's the thing. It was all in good fun because everyone was screaming at Jeff Jarrett. One of the cool things about being in a wrestling nerd audience is that and we were my son and I were seated in like the L.A. Cholo
1: section of the AEW show, which was that's an actual one of my, section. At the, it was at the one forum. of
0: my favorite experience because everyone in that wow, section, the Ghost
1: of Donald Sterling lives on, my oh friend. Oh my
0: god, it's it's so wonderful, uh, it, especially being able to just <laughs> okay. like hang out and and speak Spanish and yell yell insults in Spanish and everything, and everyone knows wrestling inside and out, and to hear the pure vitriol. And the 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 bile and the and the venom coming out of every one of these cholo's as Jeff Jarrett's going by is like you fucked up DNA, uh, bro. Like just this amazing. <laughs>
1: oh my like that, gosh, bi- that was business a business heckles. heckles, business heckles. Oh my that's god, that's amazing, <laughs> So imagine imagine if that was Vince, where someone was just like, you couldn't maneuver the XFL on two different occasions, Vince. <laughs> that would actually hurt him. You know that. Julie, back me up. And that would be the one that he looks over and goes, you son of a
2: bitch. true. Well, so
1: speaking of insults getting thrown back and forth.
0: So Jeff Jarrett heard me. Uh, Absolutely. 100% heard me because (gasps) my voice carried. And again, it was just that magical moment of everything lining up at the right time.
1: Did he look (laughs) at you?
0: And Jeff Barrett. So he did not um, like he did not see me but he saw the, like he could hear where it came from. So he looked into our section and just barked back. Shut up, motherfucker.
1: (laughs) Wow. And the interesting thing is that because of his sunglasses, you could see your fear being reflected. No, No, he didn't like, he didn't have his sunglasses on. And again, it was one of those as a
0: performer. I know when a performer is not look like heard at something, but didn't hear it from the exact person. And so he barked that back at me, and I was just like, "Yes." And I turned to my, <laughs> I turned to my son, and I go, "Jeff Jarrett just yelled at me." He goes, "I know." And I go, "Did you hear what he said?" He said, "Nope." I'm like, "Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, um, that's that's a conversation I don't want to have right now or later." Um. So, Jeff
1: Jarrett. was your son old- working you though? He would. I, I bet. I bet Zoe. No, he Ju- didn't hear it. Julie, do you think Zoe was uh, working Tommy? He's a smart kid.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, your child is very smart. That's a, that's a, that's a, I don't know. He is a, he is a bright, a bright child. I I did have to,
0: I did have to read Jeff's lips to like, it was, it was, he didn't scream it. Like he didn't scream it like I screamed. Let's put it that way. But he said it and I read it. I read what he said in his mouth. And when I watched the TV taping, they obscured Jeff with Satnam Singh because Satnam Singh is the size of a building. So you couldn't see Jeff yelling at me. I was mildly disappointed. So I come home and my wife is asking me questions about the show. And I'm like, you know, I'm like a little kid. I got that, that, that toddler energy. And I'm just, and this happened. And then that happened. And then I told Jeff, Charity sucked. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. Uh,
1: And Tommy's wife is a judge, by the way. And she's like, you
0: said what to who? And I'm -hmm. like, I, I I and I I still like my my monkey brain has not processed what I've done to myself and I'm still yeah. like in but I had such a good time and I yelled at Jeff Jarrett because I've hated him for 30 years. And he's just like, You really you, you said that in front of our son? I'm like, but he sucks. Like it was just I so uh. Jeff Jarrett is the ultimate heel. Because he got me in trouble with my wife hours after the show had ended, so I'm fully behind Jeff Jarrett. That is it, his thing. Oh man, he is he is a heel man. He got me in trouble at home, uh, but it was That's... I got to tell you guys, I, I I have to do a total a total mea culpa on Jeff Jarrett. Do I want to see him go over Orange Cassidy? No. Um and and by the way sure enough it is now a feud between Jeff's faction and the Best Friends as the Best go. Friends are disintegrating so does Orange have the full support of his his tag team when he's going into battle now with uh Jay Lethal on Wednesday I don't know but um but at least we did get the Orange run in cuz we were both dressed as Orange Cassidy and like there again the show was so good we weren't bummed about it at all and we did get to see Orange so that was that was fine but man uh, uh, lived out a great moment and a less than great moment with Jeff Jarrett.
2: Do you think well, Orange Cassidy's wardrobe is like Doug Funny's, where you open it and it's all just the same outfit? Like, yes. In his closet? exactly it's the, lined up perfectly all the all opposite, denim that's all yeah. it
0: is it's the opposite of henry hills in goodfellas where he opens his closet and there's like every type of plaid and like houndstooth jacket it's the it's just all denim and then gray all and denim. white t-shirts exactly. the orange does have an array of t-shirts now we were wearing the gray orange uh variant with uh the picture of uh orange cassidy on it and he had his uh all atlantic champion t-shirt so yeah he has he has diversified his wardrobe.
1: Follow-up question: Who do you think has more denim in their closet, Orange Cassidy or former WCW superstar Jay Leno? Oh, that's Jay Leno.
0: I mean, come on. Yeah, just based based on age alone, Jay Jay has a collection of denim spanning generations.
2: A denim off would be fun though between the two of them.
1: I was gonna say Jay almost became a wrestler. Like when he was starting out in stand-up, he confirmed that last time we talked. No, he didn't. Is that true? He he doesn't want to. He doesn't talk about it very much. I I don't know why. Yeah, he keeps kayfabe. J-Fabe, if you will. Jay Fabe. Um, Jay, Jay that's Fabe. a segment
2: on his, on his show.
1: No, but uh, Tony should get him in. That'd be great. Like That'd to really go, go against Peacock. <laughs> That'd be A little deep cut. That'd be fantastic. Here's like, it, it, my question. And then if uh, all of a sudden Orange starts doing the Kevin Eubanks, like if he starts laughing, like, <laughs> yeah, it's a good one, Jay. That'd be good. I'd like to see that tag team. Um, but I got to ask you, speaking of funny people, segues, son. Uh, what was it like? Seeing Danhausen come out for the first time, did you go nuts? Because I would have lost my shit if he came. Yeah, out. we did. That we, yeah, well, was, was it awesome. Th-
0: the thing about Danhausen is you expect him with the best friends. You don't necessarily expect him to get his own intro with his own Tron thing. And he like they had the full Danhausen music and intro. Good call. So good call yeah. in LA. Yeah, it was the, the only disappointment was like I was fully expecting, especially after all the ink that he got with the New York Times, that he was going to have a match maybe on Dark. Um, mm. he hasn't been wrestling in a bit and I wonder if he's hurt. I don't know what's up. Uh, he did mention that he was at the gym and saw Arnold Schwarzenegger there,
1: <laughs> uh, which is great. My God. Like the fact that uh, the, the, the restraint to not take a video of that is what I admire from everyone well, in that scene. But, well, and why well, he didn't the, he, why didn't he do it? Cause he wasn't in ghoul makeup. He wasn't in That's, ghoul. That, 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 but lesson, learned. lesson learned from now on, you go to the gym, Danhausen. you gotta put your makeup on. But why why is Why is you wearing that? Does it help your pecs? And all of a sudden, Arnold's walking around looking like one of the road warriors. Uh, (laughs) Two two different Eastern European accents. My favorite uh, little line that Dan Housen said first of all, I just want to say overall, that was one of my favorite dynamites I've seen. Like, I thought that that, I was telling you guys, I was like, maybe it's just because it's, you know, because we're starved a little bit right now for uh, in terms of what we typically watch, but I thought it was as fun as any AEW Dynamite show because other ones had peaks and valleys as every show did. This show, like you said, had momentum throughout, and I I didn't miss anybody because of who they had, and it reminded me of WWE shows in the year year 2000 (laughs) when they didn't have Stone Cold, they didn't have Kane, they didn't have The Undertaker. Uh, Shawn Michaels was still on his long sabbatical but they kept going. It was like they had everyone else, like The Rock, and then other people stepped up, Triple H, and that's what it felt like here. Where it was like, no, we're good. But like the you know the, the 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 ball keeps moving. But the one line that I loved was a uh, Danhausen. That's me when he points to the camera. Just a little thing like that. I was like, if you're a casual bro and you're going through the channels, and I saw that guy go Danhausen. That's me. I'm I'm gonna stop and watch it. Like just little. Attention to detail, comedic things like that. I was he's like, "He's so this good!"
0: Is great. And he. Yeah. One thing I definitely noticed is because you know we've watched Nienhausen for a while now, and we've been fans. But what started as a fun little gimmick, he's just getting better and better. And that particular segment, his timing was impeccable. Uh, his wording was really good. Like he was great in that segment, and yep. everything that he did, it it felt. And this is a guy that in his, as per his New York times article, uh, does not have any stand-up or improv training. So he is a self taught comic savant and he's really great at it. Oh, and one, one thing I wanted to mention. So you listen to the crowd.
2: I think you're right, John. And that's the biggest thing is in wrestling. You have to listen to the crowd reactions and adapt every show. You need to adapt based on what the crowd's reaction gave you. And I think he does that.
1: He also seems like a sponge in that if you look at some of his inspirations, it's he just, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound like like the, the old, I am a, an old-headed ego, whatever the hell, that Tommy Rico thought up and said CM Punk, and that's his line uh, when it comes to learning this kind of stuff. But, you know, I grew up in the 90s. I was a young kid in the 90s, and it was kind of hard to not have... Leno and Norm MacDonald and Letterman and Conan seep into your, and I was just, I thought that's how it was you, and Howard Stern in even Don Imus at times, you know, just mo- like before he went crazy with some of his takes, but like just moderating, just like just kind of letting it seep in a little bit. And it seems like Dan Housen's of that mindset where he's just so bright, brighter than, you know, I could ever dream of being, but he just seems like he borrowed so smartly from such a vast array of performers, Conan being one of them that his he just has it and didn't, it's like the, any kind of training would have messed him up. I feel like, like, I feel like if, you know, I've taught before and I feel like I came to me, I'd say, and I said this to someone at one point, I went, don't listen to anything I say. I said, you're already good and they're working now. And, and so it's like, I think he'd be one of those people where it's just kind of like, you're, you've got it. Just find a way to re- refine whatever. But, you're that's a you, good parallel
2: yeah. though is uh conan to late night is dan hausen to wrestling
0: yeah yeah i think so and, well, and john said you and I, that's his
1: goal kind of right he yeah. he's went on conan's podcast
0: yeah yeah well john you and i have a mentor who has said this and i have since borrowed it when people ask me for advice uh so john and i both have a mentor who has said and i think to both of us individually and maybe as a collective is that uh I can help you become a really good 80s comedian. I don't think that's what you want to be. And so I have I have since borrowed that line and use it when people ask me for advice. Like I can I can teach you to be a very good late oh, yeah. 90s comedian. I don't I don't think that's what you want to be. So with Danhausen, and I wanna this is uh I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Mark Marin is doing interviews with AEW talent, including MJF. And Mark Marin, one thing, one of his isms that I love. Is that he calls when the creation of a stand-up when you're fully finished with it, it's making your clown. And Danhausen made his clown. He has so Danhausen knows, okay, how would Danhausen react to this? How would Danhausen react to that? What would Danhausen say in this situation? He's just there now. He just knows his character inside and out. And it's a, it's part listening to the crowd, and it's also part knowing what he's going to do. Because it's it's one thing to just be intuitive. It's a whole other thing to have this fully fleshed out character that you're bringing to life and just knowing what that character is going to say and do. And that's why, I, and then so in the segment, Danhausen is squashed in the corner by Satnam yeah. Singh and he's just beating on Satnam Singh's were back. Were you able
1: to see that live in the. <laughs> yes. in the oh, you were? Yeah, you yeah. must said the right angle. I, were you I just dying see, laughing at that? that I was, could see and his such face. a great shot. Great yeah, because his, his face was AW squashed
0: crew. up against Satnam's back in a funny yeah. way. And he just had his <laughs> lips like out to the side and he was banging on the way. <laughs> it was
1: just so but funny. But he also kept mugging. He kept looking to the crowd, like, like, is it working? Yep. Am I getting him? And it was just every little bit about it was yeah. And, and good thinking and good producing too, because it was like, you could have just had him stuck over in the corner. Oh, he's out of the scene now. But they were like, no, give him some, have you do this, have something going on that we can cut to. So there's some levity to this otherwise shocking segment. And uh, yeah, I just, it, it must've been awesome. And what about when orange came out? The and Zoe? Cause you guys were cosplaying as orange Cassidy. Oh yeah. I mean, we went nuts and I mean, it was
0: really fun walking to, into the arena, fully dressed as orange Cassidy. There wasn't as much cosplay as I expected. So it's like, you know, father and son, orange Cassidy you Julian know, got some eyeballs. Each other. We're looking at well, each other
1: right now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know. but at the same time, fun, but
0: Well, we we uh, we weren't close enough to Orange to make uh, eye contact or anything. And it was a run in. So and which Orange Cassidy typically doesn't do. Yeah, it was. It was a a, a quick, a power. I was going to say, when you
1: said he did a run in, I was like, the hell did I miss? Yeah. First. So it was
0: on Dynamite. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. It was on uh, Rampage. And so that was all we saw of Orange and the Best Friends. uh, But they did continue the storyline of, you know, are they together? Are they not? Right now they're together, but Trent Barretta and uh, Chucky e. T look conflicted as far as like, is orange their guy or are they thinking of turning on them? Uh, one thing I wanted to say too, we, I, I put over Jeff Jarrett. Now I'm going to put over, let me up spots. One thing that really helped dynamite was the dreaded. Let me up spot. I hate, let me up spots. I hate, let me up matches. I hate. So that is when, Something that is not great is put on TV or in front of the live audience to let the crowd down so they can come back up again for the next match.
1: Well, hold on a second. It's not just that it's, it's to add levity. Yeah. Like hence, let me up. It's some comedy or it's, uh, it's some intrigue or it's something that's not just bam, 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 bam. Intensity. Well, and
0: and this segment wasn't great, but it really served its purpose was the JAS Jericho Appreciation Society coming out. Oh, yeah. And then having uh, Action Andretti and Ricky Starks interrupt them. How crazy was it to see Chris Jericho?
1: Was it crazy to see him after all these years still be so over and such an integral part? And Billy Gunn. I mean, just like two guys that like, I mean, you already talked about like, but those two guys, I mean, it's like they like in terms of their overall, I guess I would call it. Um, you know, you know their their pull, you know the the their gravitational. That's what it is. Powers mm-hmm. is it's like the it, it factor. Yeah, they still feel like it's like. But did it feel like that in person? That it was like this could be 1999, and these guys are still getting it done. It felt like it felt more than that. It felt almost like family members. Because, and
0: oddly wow. enough, you you use the term uh, gravitational pull because for whatever reason, Billy Gunn and. Uh, Chris Jericho decided to linger like right in front of us, mm. which was just weird. Cause it's these, these two guys that I've watched for a lifetime. And uh, so Jericho, he came out with the JAS. So that was with his whole group. So that was, we all sang Judas, you know, front to back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Lorenzo knows all the words and I know all the words and we're singing away. And then, so Jericho came out to do commentary for rampage and he came out and we did it again. <laughs> and it was like, we had never done it before. And it's just that magic that Jericho has that he's just, he's just got it. He's a, guy, he's a performer that you can't take your eyes off of. And like we all do, he says and does dumb things. He's been in the public eye forever, so that's going to happen. But absolutely enjoyable to watch. And I actually almost preferred seeing him come out by himself for uh, the commentary for Rampage. Uh, we got a brief uh, glimpse of Paul White as well doing uh, commentary for uh, Dark. Um, but it was just real quick. He was like he didn't make he didn't show. have an intro. Right? Yeah, Big Show Paul White. He uh, he just popped in to do commentary, but he didn't have an entrance, so they didn't
1: like play his theme. He didn't come out and say hi to people. He was really- <laughs> he was just <laughs> doing know, his they, job. They they just they didn't want any to draw any attention to Paul yeah. White. They just wanted him to kind of slide in there. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he, he's in.
0: invisible, of course. Yeah,
1: exactly. At, yeah, at yeah.
0: Seven Oh, but so
2: you had pounds. you had a celebrity there, didn't you? Who interacted?
0: Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> we didn't I, meet him. We no, saw you didn't him.
2: meet him. But, well, there were, there were two celebrities I saw. One was pretty I, You guys saw Tim Robinson, those photos backstage, right? Yes.
1: I remember seeing that, and I was like, you know what? This picture could be, I mean, I don't know. Nothing's historic anymore. Everything's just in the moment. Everything just goes so quick. Yeah. But to me, in a way, it was like, this picture is something. Because I feel like this picture will represent a moment someday of the two alternatives that might become the mainstream.
2: I think yep. you're right. Because it you're was right. like,
1: here's, here's the rejected SNL guy who has a better sketch show. yep, And then here's Dan Housen, who's in the New York times for wrestling. Neither one of them is in the NBC universal side of things, which traditionally wins. And I saw that picture and I'm like, that's the place to be. Like, I mean, that's, that's what's happening. That's what's going on.
2: You called AEW and- punk rock. Didn't you?
1: Yes, I did, <laughs> which is weird in and of itself that Ryan yes, called sure. something punk rock, but I said it. And then I realized, wow, that sounds goofy. But then you guys <laughs> said, no, it's kind of that works. So, yeah, I feel like that's what both of those are. Where Tim was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do things the way I was always told I couldn't. And Dan Housen's, everyone, almost everyone in AEW has done it that way. And when I saw that picture, I was like, holy shit, I think you should leave. And Dan Housen, I mean, that's what's up. You, know, you should bookmark two-
2: that quote because for the rest of your life, when that comes true, you're going to be like, I said it guys. I the said AEW it this is right here. Rock?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean it. I mean, look, I mean, AEW for everything they went through at the end of last summer and end of the fall. I mean, they should not be doing this well right now. And, you know, everyone said when WWE had this stuff go on recently, Oh, watch Tony's going to blow it again. He's not blowing it. Like Tony, I'll, the, the famous quote that Bruce said to me uh, my last day, person to person was take control of the moment and make it work for you. And it's so hard to do. You usually fail at that. But you know, what's interesting is that when you actually do try to take that spin on life, you usually succeed when you really put your mind to it and say, I'm going to take what's in front of me and juice it for all that it's, it's worth it does kind of work out. I feel like Tony's kind of doing that now. And I feel like Tony has done two smart things, which is he's just kept on doing good shows, the best shows he can. Um, knowing that, you know, when uh, Julie knows this from when we worked together in late night, is that my philosophy was always, even if you're not number one, you should do each show as if you are, because you never know when the audience is going to turn and check you out that night. And Julie, you were still there and I had already left at a certain point when a very infamous person decided to go on Twitter and take some shots at the Fallon show. And I don't know that they were at that point quite ready for everyone to tune in and see what they were up to. I think they things had kind of fallen off. I think Tony Khan has been smart. And then it's like he's done too, he said, OK, we're just going to keep doing our show as if people are watching. The ratings have been down. The Russos of the world keep calling that out. Um, okay, fair, not fair, whatever. They keep doing good shows. And now that people are starting to go, man, screw WWE, because we're going to get to it very briefly, I think. I think that's fair to say. I think it's, we're getting fairly to the screw WWE point of things. And for me, you know, I'm almost 40. I, Sorry, unless it's Santa Claus coming in to run the company, I don't see myself doing another WWE fan comeback. I've already done it four or five times. And then you reach a point, and you go, okay enough's enough but they make it really that. hard to be a fan yeah they really yeah. do. I'm at the point where I'm like screw this you know and then it's like you know sort of like the Red Sox if you're in you know we're going through this other rebuilding thing and I'm like man no I went through my whole childhood with this no they well, well Triple and-
2: H and uh Stephanie you were very close to bringing your daughter to a a show, you yes. you said within the yeah. next few months when it's in the area, yep. I think I'm going to bring my turned, daughter when she turns six And that six has to be old, off the table now. I have to a hundred
1: percent off the table when she yeah. was yes, yeah. I've said that on air and my and my other media gig. I, I've said that that yeah. When she turned six, that was going to be something that I thought she might be ready to go do. She loves Uncle Howdy. She loves all that stuff. I might not be into it, but it's not about me. No, not now. And um, but I think Tony's done that. And then the other thing is. That big crazy issue Everyone everyone's like, well, now he's done it with CM Punk and, um, you know, with the elite. He kind of just let things in a weird way, him, his quote negligence that everyone was saying has really worked out. That's- and it's something that Tommy and I talk about all the time, which is when we're trying to just kind of cool ourselves off <laughs> for two New England guys. But yeah, man, you just throw the rope to the other person, just let them do their thing. If you just kind of stand back sometimes, no pun intended, if you know the history of the context of the wrestling term stand back, you want to go on YouTube and look that up. If you do, just kind of go, okay, and just let it sit. Some things age like fine wine. And I feel like this punk thing, it's gone from restraining orders, allegedly to he's having ice cream with the employees and everyone's fine with it. And then that and then real quick is it MJF who we're going to get to shortly, but MJF when he had that uh post where he put the piece of tape over CM punk on one of those uh, award plaques that he got. And then punk responded as I uh, put a tape over the ratings. So people don't see that feels like a work to me, but a very smart work people blew yep. up at that where it was effective. And I was like that. And I even said to you guys, and it was me kind of burying myself a little bit. Cause I was a fan of this thing, but I said, that's how you white rabbit. Like I was like, yep, that yep, was yep. very short and to the point. And a nice enough subtle tease of the ocean rippling in the background when Godzilla might be waking up. And I was like, Yeah, you know what? That's how you do it. You don't need well, this whole and, long drawn out thing. It's just a little tick like that. It's like, ooh, there's some life to this. And, and I think now, now you're seeing all the all the AEW
0: supermarks are now ears, you know, fully in tune and focused on he's coming back, isn't he? And I like don't think all, he's
1: gonna I don't think he's gonna get booed know, I think it's shifted even in the last three weeks to four weeks. I think he's gone from being they're but gonna he'll have to be.
2: he'll re- heel. If he comes back, he's the heel, right? Oh, of course. I think they're gonna yeah, I okay, think they're yeah.
1: gonna But it's, it's gonna,
2: CM Punk heel run. I wanna see that so badly. He did it, it in gonna,
1: WWE and he did it great. He's like, gonna he, have to do something else though, because I think he's gonna get a pop. I think it's gonna be a better than fifty percent pop because I think that's gonna be the sign that we've we've won and we're winning. There it'll were a few he, CM, he up, uh, CM defect, Punk
0: chance breaking out in
1: the arena. It'll be that he did not defect. The other company went down the drain of their own doing and we kept our guy. So I think there's going to be sort of like when MJF reemerged, they're going to have to have him do something. Cause I think right now he'd be over as a baby face just in terms of yep. fan euphoria that sure. dude, the band's back together, but what's he going to do? But um well, let's talk about
0: mjf but before that just really quick tony khan did come out and thank the aew crowd
2: how many times three times three, times.
0: three separate times oh wow he less than tired. two minutes of less than two minutes of mic time total he literally it was just like hey less thank you guys more. so much you guys are great we couldn't do this without you thank like it was just it was short and to the point and no like entrance video or music or nothing it was what just was he wearing? hey i'm tony khan the, uh, he was wearing like a like a tweed Slacks? blazer or something. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was like he was dressed well, but it was it was cold, so it was like cold glasses? weather gear.
2: Was he wearing his glasses?
0: No glasses. No <laughs> glasses. Cause of course Tony does now not wear glasses get, anymore. Now
1: we're gonna get the email from Tony Khan. Now, <laughs> yeah, so now he's angry. angry yeah. All right. No, I know speaking, the feeling. We all have something like that. For me speaking it's Hawaiian of angry. shirts. You know how you always wear Hawaiian shirts. I haven't worn Hawaiian shirts in eight years, God damn it! But well, yeah, speaking MJF. of angry th-
0: there were two angry celebrities in, in the house because they were roasted
1: by one Maxwell, Jacob Friedman. One did better than the other than the yes. other, I should say. But you know, <laughs> one was having fun. The other, I will just say that Ken Jong made me laugh out loud. Yes, yes. That, was that was fantastic. Great. He sold that. that. His, his expression was perfect. It's really like, I was him. like, man, for his first real, like his first wrestling angle, that guy nailed it.
0: He's you know? just funny. Like all the, all, yeah, all, like great. everybody I know in the LA scene that started with, Ken john cuz he was you know he's yep. a legitimate medical doctor and he saw sure, so all, all these poor comedians who couldn't afford doctors he was caring for several of them uh, but yeah. everybody loves Ken and yep. Ken did a great job uh, the other celebrity was Freddie Prince Jr who was feeling pretty good he was red faced and drinking a beer and looking like he was having
1: a good hey. old time and feeling no pain <laughs> some big news though that Freddie Prince Jr was at that show that's pretty that, big that yes. was something we got to talking about um, and I believe I talked about it last week, but I'll restate. I think I think it's gonna be Freddie Prince, Stephanie McMahon, and Triple H, going off to do the 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 their version of the Michael Scott Paper Company with more success. Well, that was a very successful company, the Michael Scott Paper Company. It was. They so I think yeah, I'm gonna that'll be the the Michael Scott Wrestling Company. Well, Will guys, be... tech
0: technically, Freddie Prince Jr. is kind of a WWE talent appearing on AEW because he does voiceover. For the WWE documentaries.
1: So yeah, he, but there's a lot of guys in those documentaries that <laughs> <but> he's doing, <laughs> aren't it currently. doing
0: business with. He has currently narrated several docs that are coming out. Oh. So he's technically I mean, he's not an employee, but he's definitely a, a talent that WWE
1: utilizes. Did you look in his eyes ADW. though? He looked like he looked at he was he was stealing secrets, Freddie Prince. Did you look at him during those? He looked very like, and, and then, and then how do you do this? And he's kind of taking notes. He just kept saying,
0: what did I do?
1: What did I do? And what JBL is <laughs> and and like, well, I'm going to tell you all the secrets. And he's like, okay, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm, that, perfect. Um, yeah. Kind of like Joe Pesci in home alone. Um, hey, Freddie, Freddie Prince senior was a uh, running buddies with Leno. So there's your, maybe he goes to that wrestling company. Ah, I'm just saying. Who's going to sign Jay Leno? <laughs> did you be both, nice like, did you both like the MJF roast? I loved it. And everyone said he went over the line, but I'm like, man, here's the thing. If you, if you don't go far enough, they're going to cheer him because they were cheering him anyway. And I get people saying, I get the, like, well, he was racist. It's like, guys, not in a way that cut and will start hashtag trending on Twitter. He was, he was movie villain bad, which is kind of how you're supposed to be. And I'm sorry, but if the fans keep cheering you, you got to keep going until they, Jerry Lawler's talked about that so many times that he didn't want to slap Andy Kaufman. He hoped that they, it got far enough on its own, and it wasn't like the fans were egging them on and wanting more. So I thought it was, he did what he had to do to get heel heat in a way that was dorky enough to be like, oh, he's just a jackass. So that well, was And I opinion. also, I
0: also think that MJF is doing a meta
1: commentary
0: on cheap heat and old school heels. He's clearly doing a character that is making fun of how business used to be done. It's a very, very, he's like, he's walking a very, very razor thin line, but I think he's doing it well. As far as it being racist, could it have, could it be con- conceivably racist? maybe. He said the word Konnichiwa, which is Japanese for hello. That yep. doesn't seem to be too racist. There was no typical, like there's so many different angles to hit racism with That He said Konnichiwa, and then he made fun of uh, Konosuke's last name being spelled take a shitter. Now, I don't think that was done without the consent or knowledge of Konosuke. And what, what does MJF do? We were talking about how when The Rock was burying people on the mic, he would then bury them in the ring. And several people, Billy Gunn included, never really recovered. No. The difference is when MJF buries someone on the mic, that person gets their heat back. They get their shit back in. And with Konosuke, Konosuke got, first of all, uh, MJF, we were talking about regular-sized guys. MJF is a very average-sized man. Is he in great shape? Sure. But it was cool to see. Hey, here's the world heavyweight champion, and he's not a huge, huge guy. Konosuke Takeshita is. Sorry,
2: have you seen his selfie? I would not call him an average-sized guy. No, he's the he's selfie jacked. that uh, John um, so lovingly compared to Danhausen and his his Simpsons costume. Yeah, he's jacked to the
0: gills, but he's not like 260. I would say that he's probably he's definitely under six feet, and I would say he's probably. 215, to 20 ish in just really good condition. But Konosuke Takeshita is tall and he's rangy and he's athletic. And here's this guy that the crowd loves him. God, they love him because he's so good. And he had an amazing, an amazing match with Brian Danielson, but Takeshita got his heat back with MJF. And that's, I think the difference is that MJF, the whole purpose of him being insulting and being mean and being nasty is that he allows the comeback to mean that much more. And he allows the comeback, whereas Rock really didn't. Rock, it was like a full burial. With MJF, people come out of a feud with MJF or, or some kind of experience in the ring as far as a promo or a match with MJF. They come out better afterwards. And I think is that's that the key.
1: Is just WWE storytelling, though? Because that's the same thing with The Fiend. Like, yep. I mean, no one ever came out of that. I think it's more of a, what was it? I read this recently, Bret Hart saying, you go into 10, you come out of six. Yeah. After, yeah, one of those, that's WWE. I think it's just their storytelling style, but um, I thought, I don't know. I mean, he's just, I mean, he posted that picture, two posts I want to talk about, the one with he and Don Rickles, and I was like, yeah, fair, accurate. Um, Don went a little too far someplace. I, I worked one time, and <laughs> Julie, Julie, Julie knows what I'm talking about, and we didn't see Don again. Um, rest in peace. Uh, it happens. We, we all lose our fastball. But a shout out to uh Danhausen uh for playing along over the weekend. A little bit of a fun Twitter back and forth with uh and Instagram too. He had two different uh posts. John, you just started a feud. Well I done. Did. Well, because like he, he looked just like uh he was wearing the same kind of shirt as Danhausen when he was dressed as Mumu, Homer Simpson. I was like, <laughs> god damn. I was like, but then I thought about it, I was like, he must I was like, I think he might be looking for this, and I'll give it to him. Like I was like, he's a smart guy. He knows this kind of looks similar. But I love that <laughs> <laughs> that he tweeted to Danhausen, stop, stop quote tweeting me. And then about an hour later, out of nowhere, Dan just puts, why? <laughs> <laughs> just little things like that. That's just funny shit, man. Like uh, two quick things I want to hit on. Adam Cole was it nuts when he came back? Did people go crazy? Did, oh did my they... god! And and no, here's no no clue he's coming back, right? No clue
0: whatsoever. So apparently he hid in a friend's truck like in or in the back seat of their car to get, because the wrestlers didn't know. So it was a full surprise. And that's why I think the sting from Mercedes not being there didn't mean anything. We got Adam Cole back and I'm going to do a mea culpa here. So I have not always been a fan of Adam Cole's and I had to figure out why because Adam Cole, by all accounts is one of the nicest human beings in wrestling. Everyone loves Adam Cole. His work in the ring is impeccable. So I'm like, why do I hate this guy? So I really had to break it down because it's one of those things like, why have, and I remember looking back at like, what's my experience as far as watching a lot of Adam Cole matches, it's when WWE had to basically move half the NXT roster to the main roster because there there was some things going on. And Adam Cole, with a busted wing, basically carried Monday Night Raw for weeks. He was wrestling when he shouldn't have been wrestling. And he was just outrageously good. So why don't I like this guy? And I got to break it down. Like, okay. All right. First of all, Adam Cole, it's a, it's a bias built from years of watching WWE. Yeah. Is that uh, he's not a big guy. He's a very average size guy, a slightly built guy. And so there's that body thing that I still can't shake with him. So, okay, let's kick that out. All right. Second thing, he's... A very handsome devil. He is a very good looking guy. And I am a guy who's getting older and not feeling great about the way he looks all the time. So, okay, let's kick that out. All right. The guy's a good looking guy. I've never been shy about being able to say that about someone. So why is it with Adam Cole? So it's just like all these internal biases that I have towards Adam Cole, it don't mean anything. So then I started to sit down and watch some Adam Cole matches like, okay, he's great. This is just stupid. I'm hating him for no good reason. And then he shows back up. Like, again... Total surprise, he shows up at the forum to cut a promo. And Adam Cole, as soon as his music hit, the place exploded. I have never heard an ovation that loud. I couldn't hear my own thoughts as Adam Cole made it down to the ring. And I was so happy because this is a guy that I had cleared my biases of and was now really happy to see and totally wasn't expecting. And he was so good because we were fully expecting him to retire. The way he was selling that. And the way he had taken us on a journey, it felt like he's going to say goodbye. And we were all, no, like everybody's like legit worked up. And he got us all, he took us on the journey and then said he's back. And it was just awesome. Just a really simple segment, perfectly executed by Adam Cole. The surprise not ruined by the sheets, not ruined by anyone in the AEW locker room. They and W and WWE has got to take note. There have been almost no surprises at WWE for a while now. Well, <laughs> All right.
1: yeah, I gotta, no, I gotta, no I good surprises. On, yeah, I got to push back on one pretty yeah. notable surprise. I mean, Cody uh, the,
0: Rhodes was the last true surprise
1: that was yeah, a positive one. one for WWE, yeah. but well, that, Bray, that segment Bray, was amazing. Bray Wyatt kind of. That was that was a fun surprise. No, At, but everybody said he moment. was in the
2: arena. Like it, it was the White, white rabbit, rabbit or bro. Bray just when he sh- actually just his... coming back? Because we all knew he was coming back because no, of White the, Rabbit. The, the,
1: the actual comeback with the door and all the characters and everything. You know, you know, the one yeah, good part of this it. thing.
2: Yeah, the one, but we all knew it was coming. It's kind <laughs> of, I, I see Tommy's point. It's like to have the per- someone show up there and sure. pay it off immediately. It's like, oh, okay, yeah.
0: Well, um, and, and by the way, people love themselves some Adam Cole and he's a guy that they cannot have him dicking around in the mid card. He has to go straight to the top. He's got to be with one of the top guys immediately because he is over like Rover. And I've never heard an ovation like that in my life and was so proud to be part of that. Cause it felt great. It felt great to welcome him back. Where did so you welcome get over Adam like, Cole.
1: where did you get over like Rover from? I don't know. It's just an old guy thing. I've heard okay. that. I've heard okay. that a lot. I just but, want uh, to make sure we give credit where credit's due as far as podcasters can, go. Can CM we, Punk.
2: Uh, came up with that and sent that to Tommy. Oh, so yeah. 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 They, yeah. they swap off. It them. was paid. And he's a heel,
1: he gave it to you and Conrad because yeah. he's a heel. <laughs> that was his heel. But Now he's a heel again. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about the women's match though. Yes. I'm sorry. I hate, I hate to jump into this, but like there was a lot of talk and I'm going to just kind of sit back because Julie, I know, you know, Ruby and Tom, you were there. And, uh, my whole thing was, Holy shit. That was, a a, a lot. You guys know I for a guy that watches wrestling, I don't do well with blood, uh and uh yeah, I couldn't watch that thing, so I i am not educated enough to talk about it, but I just want to get Tommy's take on how it was live and then Julie's take on Ruby the person, just because it, you know there was some and also if it and I want to ask both of you, there was some some blowback against this match. It, was that sexist on the part of fans, and i'm just going I'm just going to pull back
2: Mox. Likes to blade a lot, and I'm not a fan of that. Listen, I understand the roots. I'm going to respect your decision. If you take all the precautions, do that. But I still don't love it. I still don't like it. However, don't become more judgmental against women doing it or pull back more. Don't be okay or you know, let it slide for the men's do it. And then you see the women smash it and be like, oh, I'm horrified. How dare they? No, it's the same thing. It's equally not safe i'm not a fan of that but in terms of more power to them yeah did do, do do your do your blading match if that's the case i thought it was uh because if you're gonna do it do it really like if you're gonna blade freaking blade man do it go <laughs> go for it don't just do a little bit just go the full way and you know what ruby soho did that and and kudos there. and you know what they say you know, women and blood don't mix, but once a month, boy, do we have a crime scene on our hands. So I don't know what you want. <laughs> I that's
1: love our it. Tick, that's our TikTok video right there. Yes. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to leave it at million, that. And just,
0: I'm going to say the, dis, the online discourse was pure sexism, sexism and I'm going to leave it at that. And I'm going to leave it with uh, Julie's statement. I will say as a firsthand observer. So I will tell you that Uh, I am not squeamish. Uh, I'm a longtime horror and uh, wrestling fan, and I'm not particularly squeamish. I've also had had several horrible things happen to me that uh, require someone to be less squeamish about uh, things that happen is in terms of uh, blood and uh, injury. Um, And I will tell you this. So uh, when my son was in kindergarten, my son, who is now a wrestling fan with me and who witnessed this at nine years old, and I, I, there's certainly an ethical consideration there. My son, when he was in kindergarten, uh, they used to do this thing where they would run and sprint towards the fence. And uh, there was a few cracks near the fence that would, uh, j- would be just the size of a small person's shoe. And so my son caught, got caught and tripped and fell headfirst into said fence like one would in a cage match and busted his head open, split his head open. This, this was within the last five minutes of the school day. I was already <sighs> driving to school to God. pick him up. So I got the call from the school administrator saying it had happened. She was there with him. He's okay. but I... So I am now going to school to pick up my injured son and I have no idea what that's going to look like. And I'm stealing myself to make sure like, okay, he can't be freaked out and I can't be freaked out. And I went and it was literally a wrestling injury. He had a five staple cut open on his head and he was covered in his own blood and he was not freaked out. He was not happy, but he was holding calm and I held calm and it was a really, really difficult thing to do. But being able to not freak out about that is important because if you have a child that is squeamish and freaked out about that stuff, they're going to bleed more. So one of the keys to keeping him calm and keeping him okay, before we got to the emergency room and they stapled him up and he was fine. And he had five cool staples in his head that all the kids loved the next day when he went back to school. And so, because it's, it's, you know, it's a war wound and the kids all saw it. So, but he,
1: I think Zoe should have done. He should have sat down as soon as he got back to school, called a, called a a scrum and eaten some cupcakes and said, I'm hurt. I'm young. I'm tired. I work with fucking adults. (laughs) And that's how he quit school
0: (laughs) for like six
1: months.
0: (laughs) He took it, he took it like a champ, and he was there with me for this uh Ruby, Willow Nightingale, and uh Tay J match. So one thing people have to remember is that if you're not an AEW fan or and you're just watching this match without any context, this is a blood feud. Okay, this this was a match. So uh Tay Mello and uh Ruby Soho have been feuding for months. And Tay busted Ruby's nose open. She had to have uh, reconstructive surgery, I think, on her face. And they wrote an angle where they had to write Ruby off a television where they slammed her arm in a car door so she she could get her elbow fixed.
1: And so this was a blood feud. I just want to mention that's one of the crazy messed up things about wrestling that Julie and I always talk about is, oh, you're hurt? Quick, we have to hurt it even worse on TV. So it makes sense that you're hurt. As the the, uh, Cody Rhodes gambit.
0: Yep. So very this common. match this match was a blow-off for a feud. And so Willow Nightingale is very quickly getting over, which I love because she is so lovable and she's got so much personality and she's great in the ring and she's gotten organically over. Um, you have Anna J, who is also getting over, but she's getting over as this heel with a silly gimmick, like I'll choke you out. And she's just a, you know, like a a pretty blonde girl who has this like like really weird mean streak in her. And But her matches, I have put her over in the past where her matches get better and better. She did a spot in them, and So this was a no-holds-barred match. I will tell you that the blade job that Ruby did was not even the third most dangerous thing in that match. Mm. <laughs> because there was crazier stuff that happened. So Ruby got busted open and she tapped a gusher. She bladed herself in a spot where she bled a lot right away. Now, again... We had just watched, before this match, on Dynamite, we watched the Escalera de la Muerte match, which was uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus the Death Triangle, Pac, and the the Lucha Bros. And we watched six of the greatest athletes that wrestling has ever had to offer, all at once, just putting on this match where there was weapons and ladders and climbing and planches and topes and all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff. And all this Looney Tunes, like cartoon violence, and all six of those guys walked away. All mm-hmm. six of those guys, nobody got hurt. And it was a miracle, an absolute miracle, that these amazing six performers all walked away from that match, looking almost like w- without a scratch. This match had consequences. And one thing that children need to know is that when you're working with weapons, when you're working, just working a wrestling match, period, but there are consequences and blood. There's a reason it's red. Red is the first color that human beings recognize. It is a visceral thing. When you see blood immediately, you get freaked out. And that's Wait, Hold reason. on a
1: second. Are you saying that the reason the rule that red, that blood is red is because it's the first color or, or do we recognize it because red looks like blood? I'm trying to see your thought process here. No, i was just wondering, I was wondering it, if God signed something where he was like, oh yeah, that probably should be red. Red that's, red that's is literally the first color that
0: human I, beings can recognize in the spectrum. So that is why like red is very <laughs> visceral again. to us. So you're For saying survival? that's why because that's why blood? blood is. That is it, the
1: condition it, of which. That's why blood is red. So we can. No, what? I mean that's not why blood <laughs> is red. That's a, there's a whole other asshole, scientific but.
0: reason behind that. But we freak just out trained. because
1: blood is red,
0: and all because yeah. it's just that primal instinct that oh, there's an injury, somebody's hurt, I'm Got hurt, it. Um, yeah. and so. Can it's you imagine if that match
2: was going on right now? I would love to have you two on commentary where Tommy is like dedicated to. And then John no, is so the com- Googling. Like, like, listen,
1: blood so, is red because the, yeah, the cells are- I want I want us to one day be big enough that we have our own Manning cast for oh, yeah for AEW. Where <laughs> would it's just blast. because where I could be the Bob Costas or yes! Bill Simmons of wrestling where everyone's just like, shut the fuck up. And I, I won't care. I'll be like. <laughs> No, I mean, the semantics of what you're talking about, like just logically, like they die. Do you think they like die our blood red at the hospital when we're born? Is that part of the like we're initially are we are we orange blood? Like just like everyone's like anyway, AEW did a got 100,000 viewers last night and it was mainly due to commentary. But we got I was going to say we got to do it before the Manning brothers take over. We don't have
2: to ask the question or do the research. We know it was because of commentary.
1: All right, so yeah. Tony came out 11 times. He begged the live crowd to stay. Somehow they were, they were able to eavesdrop and they didn't like it either. I'm well, sorry, in, Tommy. interestingly enough, guys, the most dangerous spot in the match happened
0: like feet away from us. <laughs> was, so the most dangerous spot in the match, Willow Nightingale had Anna Jay up for a powerbomb onto a table from the ramp down to the floor below. And she missed. And the only thing that didn't kill Anna was the fact that Willow was protecting Anna on the fall for the table. But if she hadn't done that carefully, Anna would have split her head open on the floor. I mean, it's just a concrete floor. There's no padding. So that was the most dangerous spot in the match. It was just like, I don't know whether the the table wasn't set up right because it seemed like the table was too far in and Willow overshot it. And so instead of Anna falling on the table back first, Anna's back and head fell on the concrete. And again, because of the placement of Willow's legs, she protected Anna enough where there wasn't a tragedy, but that was the most dangerous spot in the match. Uh, Anna also wrapped her arm in barbed wire for a a potential submission hold, which was pretty crazy. Look, that match was wild. Um, The blade job was hard to watch. It was very gory. That being said, she finished the match, guys. She, wrest- she was bleeding the whole match, so she, w- she was good enough to go. It was just an unlucky blade. She just bled a lot, but she finished the match. They won the match. They won the blood feud. And props to Ty Mello for taking a thumbtack spot. Oh, my God. There was a yeah. thumbtack spot towards the end of this match that finished the match. And it was... I mean, I... It, Let's put it this way. Tay Mello, who is not popular, got an ovation on her way out of the arena. Because
1: you know what we got to do? We got to hook Tony up with our friend, bloody face, Kevin Hearn from up in Canada. <laughs> he comes out. He comes out bleeding already. If you want to watch AEW Dynamite, it airs tonight and every Wednesday, 8 p.m. on TBS. And then there's AEW Rampage, Friday nights at 10. That's the weird show. That's the one I like oh my gosh wouldn't you know we just happen to run out of time for wwe our apologies we'll try to book them the next time they're in town but i think that was a pretty good episode what do you guys think
2: yeah thank you guys so much for listening please subscribe review and give us a nice five-star rating
1: yeah and make sure you tick our talk we're at turnbuckles pod on tiktok and at turnbuckles pod on instagram and all our episodes are up on youtube and as always see you buckleheads.